Hi, this is Natalie Lander, voice of Kinsey, Tara Branford, Stargirl, and many others. You are listening to a W2Mnet podcast. You can visit W2Mnet.com for other podcasts about entertainment, video games, sports, and wrestling. All right, we are live right now. A little bit later than we wanted to, but I had a family thing uh, happen, so kind of trumps that sometimes. But yes, dos a cero, Eric. For the U.S. Men's National Team, the victory against Mexico in Cincinnati. There's a lot to talk about here. Not just the result, not just um, you know the the who scored the goals and everything. There's a lot to talk about about how this game went down uh, for both sides, U.S. and Mexico. And then, of course, we'll go around CONCACAF and talk about some very interesting results for all of the other teams involved here and how this affects. Uh, things going forward. Let's obviously start uh, just kind of talking about the game itself here. Just in general, before we get into like, I guess, some actual moments or whatever, how do you feel about the game now that you've had some time to think about it and, and, and all that that went down? Like I said on Twitter at the end of the match, the U.S. we can sleep well at night. Not too well because of the match that awaits us in a couple of days, but we did something we desperately needed to do. Not just for this particular match, not just for this particular window, but just overall in general. I mean, the first time either U.S. or Mexico, either team, had beaten one beating the other three times in the calendar year since 1937, just the mental boost that we have now Going into the second half of World Cup qualifying is great. Yes, some months down the road, the trip to Azteca lose, but the fact that we came in knowing, hey, we're on home soil, Mexico, while good, while top shelf is very vulnerable, we came in and did the job. It's very, very nervy the first, really, two-thirds of the match, but as things were on, I was like, okay, I know this is coming, then we got the goals, I'm like, this is how it had to happen. Yeah, I mean, the thing is uh, that first half definitely was a bit more 50-50. And then that second half, my God, I think that's the best second half I think the U.S. I've seen the U.S. play in a long time. And that's what's telling about this is that it's against Mexico, mm-hmm. right? And then it's just this thing to, like, have that moment of, wow, the U.S. can actually play like this. And they played like this against Mexico of all teams, uh, you know, so... That is incredible in and of itself to be able to say, wow, not only did the U.S. win this game, not only is it another dos acero, it's another 2-0, it's, this is a 2-0 where you can't go back and go, oh, they got a lucky free kick there, or a lucky penalty here, or, oh, they had a call go their way. It was contundente, as you would say in Spanish, like it was all the way through a big U.S. victory and a very well hard-fought victory. And, I mean, it's incredible. Maybe the stats aren't going to show it. Mexico really had no touches on the ball in the second half. When Pulisic comes in, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, he waited until now to put him in. But he didn't really have to based on how that second half was going without him already of the way they had just been able to really make that Mexico defense have to sit back so much because they were going forward 
and they were pressing so much that they didn't have a way to counter that. Now we can we'll talk about that in a little bit about it's some of that Santata, right? For not oh, yeah. making the changes. Let's take a step back before we like really go full into into that. The first half, US comes out, they're going on the front foot, they're pressing. You know, Pepe has that chance really early in like the fifth minute that he can't get onto from Tim Weah. And then all of a sudden and he they have that uh that first of the the giveaways, right? That Raul Jimenez starts uh going towards goal and it starts a whole bunch of movement around the box and then it winds up with Edson Alvarez taking that shot that Zach Stefan had to go and make the arm save. That's like it was like the twelfth minute or something like that. And you're thinking, oh man, here we go. Nervous, nervous Tyler Adams, nervous, you know, U.S. defense at that moment. And, and they have the other one, right, with uh, Chucky that uh, he isn't quite able to get it past Zach Stefan. Great save on his part as well. And actually really came up clutch. Really and and, up clutch. and actually, uh, you know, Yedlin for getting back on that as well and actually forcing the pressure on Chucky, not being able to just clean shot. Um, and have to make him think about it because he could have taken that first time and they were talking mm-hmm. about a different situation, but he has to think about it on, the, on that second one. And then finally, you know, Zach Steffen makes that stop. But obviously the, the clearest one is the Tecatito one. Uh, to Chucky sees him open above Anthony Robinson on that run, that left side and Tecatito misses it. He hits it wrong. Had he been able to hit it well, we're talking about, I think, a different because of course that puts Mexico up one nil. Mexico much more confident, but the U.S. were able to stick through it. That was the telling part of this: is that it kept building, it kept building, right? And that first half, they had a few chances, but nothing was like really connecting. You had the Aronson one that just kind of goes right in the hands of Ochoa. You know, not a big deal. Um, those all are of some that. of the and those are some of the things that I noted because once you really got into the game. And with the pressing, both the U.S. and Mexico really used the width of the pitch. Mm-hmm. I mean, w- even like Wea, you saw all the time making moves along the right, either crossing, centering passes in, and it just kept near miss, near miss, near miss. And then Mexico was turning right back around on the counter, giving us, as you even mentioned, with a chance with Tecatito, with the, even like a Raul Jimenez just running free at some point. It was very back and forth, but I kept noting, and I've said this on Twitter, the later the first half got, it's near miss, near miss, near miss. And I thought by halftime, I'm thinking, okay, one way or another, somebody was going to score. Right. They they didn't, but then at that second half, it was like those same things. And it's like more near misses, near misses. And then finally, you get to the point to where things started connecting. So I will disagree a teeny bit bit because you can say a few what ifs but i don't think had pulis to come on right at that right time and they said that maximum 20 25 minutes time on the pitch and contributing he doesn't come on at that right time doesn't like connect that header on that way up how we want to call crossing centering pass and it's continued near misses it's just always going to be another potential nil nil of frustration I, I didn't mean necessarily that he didn't need to come on at all. I meant more yeah. like it was incredible that at that time you're thinking mm-hmm. you're seeing him warm up, you know, during mm-hmm. halftime, like, Oh, he's going to bring him on at halftime. Like, Oh, he's going to bring him on. Oh earlier. yeah. It's all like, of that. Yeah. And then the way that the U S was really controlling 
things in that second half. He oh, could yeah. keep waiting and keep waiting and keep waiting, and mm-hmm. then he finally uh, brought him on. But I think the most important decision was made from the start, and this is why I'm showing the uh, the starting eleven for the U.S. here. Is I think we had talked about Greg has his favorite guys, and we were expecting oh he'll start Ariola because he has all this trust and faith in Ariola, and so he didn't do that. Credit to him for making the best choice possible in starting Tim Weah mm-hmm. there here on the right side because he was the player of the game. Oh, he absolutely. Had Without a the, doubt. He was the one creating most of the chances. He was the one going forward. He was trying to push people. You know, when you look at almost everything that involved not just the Pulitzer's goal, the McKinney shot that, mm-hmm. you know, Memo has to hit up in like the 48th or 49th minute. Um, the, the peppy one early, there's, uh, the pullback that doesn't quite happen for Aronson where he like flubs it. Almost every single chance is coming off of Weya on that right side. And then also credit, because when I saw the lineup, I said, oh man, here we go. He starts DeAndre Yedlin and I'm like, oh no, my God, with, with that front three, how's the other going to keep up the entire game? You know, and then like, I get it that you don't want to start Joe Scally first ever game. You know, right. like, did you need to start someone else? Like, and credit to DeAndre Edlin, man. Every time you needed him, either defensively or offensively, he was there. And uh, he made a few stops defensively that were important, but he was also there to make some crosses, also there to overlap, also there to keep play on that side of the field. He was tremendous, or in this game, sorry. And if we're going to talk about a decision, because it's always Miles Robinson and somebody else, right? It's always mm-hmm. the two Robinsons. Mm-hmm. Walker Zimmerman had one heck of a game really, uh, as just well. A uh, lot of times, and not just, especially with a little bit of a higher press that Burhalter executed, anytime right. there was anywhere near a threat, especially in the second half, right on the edge of that final third in the middle of the pitch, who was right there? Zimmerman. Helping yep. to clear. Zimmerman. Just... Bam, 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 on it. And it's like, wow, okay, we were serious. We were serious. And and it's not just that. He was also important in keeping, not just clearing, but also keeping play happening. Mm -hmm. Anytime you needed to make sure that that ball was going to stay on your side of the pitch, here he comes with a header out of nowhere. He's battling, literally battling in the air, Raul Jimenez. I mean, if you're talking about somebody battling in the air, that's a tough dude to deal with. And that's no joke. That was one heck of a moment for him, you know, to to go deal with that. Because, you know, Miles Robinson really wasn't having this this wonderful game. I mean, he had the two. I mean, to be fair, the second one was more about just inopportune moments because Chris Richards was right there. He was waiting mm-hmm. to get subbed on. And he just right, right before you get that opportunity to get subbed on, it happens, right? But it's two professional fouls. I think yeah. two fouls that you kind of have, have to make. Actually, I don't know that the that one with uh, where he takes down Chaka Rodriguez, he has to because he has Anthony Robinson ahead of him already. But at that moment, it's kind of like a panic move, and you kind of understand it. You know, I mean, that's the thing that I think was important in all of this. It was a total team effort. I mean, I was upset about the whole not starting Matt Turner because I thought, okay, Matt Turner had earned his spot. You know, uh, he's the one sort of playing regularly, everything else. But Zach Steffen stepped in, and he stepped up, and he made the big saves you needed him to make. He was a calming presence. He came in and 
you know, he would interrupt play at the right time. Like there was those crosses coming in. He would step up and grab it before there was even an opportunity for a Mexico player to, to come in and make that a problem, you know, and that's the kind of thing that, you know, you need from your keeper to continue to, to be that because it's not, Oh, it's not just the back four, right? It's the back five. Right. It's the communication between you and the keeper. He provided that. And then, you know, Anthony Robinson too, just, we're going to finish some of the back line. He was a force going forward. He had his moments right, where he got cut out and it's not his fault. That's the, his main function is to go forward and be a force on that left side uh, to help out Aronson. I mean, who perhaps didn't necessarily have the, the best game, but that's because Tim Weah was absolutely bossing on the other side. So there was going to yeah, be a little weakness there. Yeah, the yeah. ball wasn't getting to him, not to mention, especially when times when Mexico were starting to throw their weight around and get a little more physical. I mean, you saw Weah go ahead along even with Musa take some, you wouldn't say big hits per se, but they could really hold their own. And he's Aronson there, but not quite there yet. And that's it. And I yeah. mean, granted, he, he learned tonight, and I think he's going to take that with him. But now he knows, and I think he'll be a little bit better for it. Yeah, but I, th- I think that, to me, that's what is important about this is, like, a lot of times it has been you have to rely on Aronson so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tim Weah was able to come in and just be an absolute uh, big force. And like not only a force offensively, like we saw, he is a he is important defensively. He was important in making sure that it was difficult for Chaka Rodriguez and Gallardo to release and be going to go forward um, as well. So that was the thing for me. You mentioned that they both tried to use width, but that's what I think hurts in this instance for Mexico is mm-hmm. Chaka and Gallardo are not really like backs, right? They're more of the attacking variety. Yeah, more that's, wing back than full back. Exactly, and I mean Gallardo's a converted winger, so they weren't prepared. They no. were, they were, they used that speed and that youth and the pressure to go against them consistently uh, throughout that. And then you have that that young, that inexperienced center back pairing, and it was just a recipe for disaster for Mexico. That entire game of having all those guys constantly be a bother, constantly be a force. I think it says just as much about the U.S., but I think it says a lot more about Mexico and what and what Tata has decided to hear. And like where the U.S. used youth to go against a lot of this experience and a lot of the, um, I don't want to say age, but they're getting a bit, you know, older. I mean, for how great, you know, Edson Alvarez is, you also have Ache Ache there who's kind of takes away from what you want to do. And they were able to kind of exploit that. You know, and especially you can see it on the on the goal. That entire back line gets abused. Oh yeah, Weya takes out Gallardo and Alvarez, and then Pulis is able to go straight through the defensive both both defenders to just head the ball, and then that's the wonderful goal that you see there. And then McKinney makes I forget who it is look absolutely ridiculous with the bounce back to himself, and <laughs> then the goal goes in. And that 82nd, 86 minutes to like make it to Dos Facero, you know, but I, it's just, I think we have to give, you know, for all the times, Eric, that we give, we knock Greg Berhalter, right? Mm-hmm. You got to give him credit for the way the team performed as well, because it's not always selection. It's putting them out there in a way to, to take advantage of what Mexico, he knew Mexico was not able to, going to be able to do. A- absolutely. And for all the times that you say, we mentioned 
not to selections and tactics. He's like, all right, I've got this team. Here's what I need to do to counteract Mexico. All right, formation best for this team. A wide 4-3. Set up my wings very carefully. Done, let's go. And that's exactly what happened. Everything worked. Mm, chef's kiss. All three of the midfielders work extremely well here. And making this all work, along with, you know, the Tim Weah effect there on the right side. I, and to give credit to Aronson, he was very good at, at pressuring. Oh, he yeah. may not have been able to have the the chances or the creation that you normally see from him on the left side, but he was very good at pressing. Uh, when Every time I saw him, he was really up in the face of someone. Like, that's the thing is, Musa was absolutely incredible in this game as well. Uh, not to take, you know, where Adams had a little bit of a falter at times where he was getting nervous and he was giving passes away, especially in that first half. A lot of the chances that Metzko had came off giveaways. Either. The, I think the last one for Tecatito has to do with Zimmerman. The one with uh, Chucky is an Adams uh, fault on that one. But Musa was absolutely incredible going forward. And I think the the thing that shows the most is that one where he's in the box and he goes through like four different defenders, but he can't quite get it the last time to be able to get a shot off. I mean, that's see that a lot from the U.S. And like, that's that's something that like we would have had to rely on Pulisic to be by himself. And the fact oh, yeah. that we're seeing an 18 year old. And the fact that incredible. even after that, yeah, he could get the ball off his feet. But you immediately saw Mexico. It's like, hey, if Moose has got the ball, We've got to stay on him. Yeah. He is wrecking us too much. And they started to body him around. But even yeah. when they did that, he was drawing fouls. He was still like making it through, still finding good outlets and everything. He would get through them. Yeah. He would get through them as well, too, if he wanted to. It was just a thing of beauty. You know, we talked about how the back line worked. We put the midfield working. We talked about, you know, Weya working here. Uh, I think the one spot that I think and it's weird to say because Pepe is the one that's been scoring goals for the U.S. Mm-hmm. Pepe actually looked a lot more dangerous when he was getting involved in the play and helping others get involved, not necessarily trying to wait for something to happen for him because it didn't seem to be on for him as far as like scoring tonight. In fact, the one time Jesus Ferreira got on the ball, he just happened to miss uh, there at the end off that immense, obvious, uh, you know, awesome run by uh, Anthony Robinson when they're down. The 10 men at that point in like the 91st minute or whatever. That's something that hopefully Pepe eventually, you know, we saw this in the uh, Honduras game, right? Where he was involved in almost all the goals and it made for, uh, you know, the Aronson shot. He was directly involved in that and he was involved in some of the other ones. Hopefully we'll see him do that a lot more as time goes on. Of like, okay, if it's not happening for you, make it happen for the other guys. Oh yeah. Right. And if he can eventually get that to click where it's like, it's not always about me. It's also about getting my the other guys involved that are just just as good. They can get they can score as well. Be dangerous two different ways. That will help Pepe immensely. But we forget he's he's eighteen. He's got such he's, a long way to go. Yeah, he's eighteen, and even then, we've had issues as far as like with that number nine. Right. This is part of the territory early on for him. This is another big learning experience. So. This is another one that he can look at. As you say, chalk up. It's like, all right, especially if I'm going to be making this big move wherever it goes, this is something I'm going to have to learn to add to my game to bring that next level of success. Yeah, and I think for me, another one that's important also is like 
how good Weston McKinney was in this game. It's just he was not trying to do everything. He was mm-hmm. going in to win the ball. He was going in and making the pass. He was going in and uh, being available if he needed to be to continue the play. You know, it was just it all was a very good just showing in man, the U.S. can play very well. They can press. They can press together as a team, and they can make this all work, Eric. And that's all well and good, right? Mm-hmm. And for the most part, there's it's supremely positive here. The 18 shots to 8 for the U.S. Um, I'm going to bring up this, this graphic here again of the 5 to 4 on shots on target. The possession's almost equal, which hardly ever happens when you're talking about U.S. versus Mexico. Uh, you know, Almost everything else is pretty much equal. And that just, I think, shows it's not just about, it's about not fearing Mexico, right? It's about having all of that. So, <laughs> as uh, Mr. Hagen wants to talk about a different sport, but you're watching the wrong <laughs> podcast here uh, for that. But still, let's look at this from the other perspective, because obviously, you know, they're part of CONCACAF. They're important to, you know, CONCACAF as well. And Mexico, that front three, did nothing here. No. Well, they each had one chance. Neither one of them took theirs. I mean, and that's important as well. But it's still, you still don't have any goals from that front three, number one, which this is supposed to be your supreme front three, the front three that mm-hmm. you're supposed to be absolutely dangerous. And to be fair, you know, Raul Jimenez is getting better and better every week. You see him at Wolves. He's been a force. He is a force. It's just in this game, they uh, took him out of it. Chukri had a few chances. Tecatito didn't take his one chance, you know. And Even that just came late in the match because I was wondering, okay, when is he going to get in? He's got to find some space where they can do something, and it was just nothing. Yeah, but that just continues to be a thing for him in these games. Of He has his moments, but he, he doesn't take the chances, and he gets taken off, and we saw that here. The biggest thing for Tata in this game was he took too long to make changes, and they necessarily weren't the most important changes he could have made. Charlie Rodriguez should have probably come on earlier for Luis Romo, who was absolutely lost. He was taken out by what the U.S. had going on. I don't know why you don't take off uh, Anache Ache and bring on Sebastian Cordova or something like that to freshen up the team. It just, I don't know. It seemed like he was shocked by the, let's be fair, you could say Walker Zimmerman handball on the second goal for sure. And that was missed. And if we have VAR, this is a different conversation. But again, CONCACAF chose not to have VAR. Right? Not now. You know, uh, for some maybe, reason, January, yeah. they're finally going to have it. And I saw that and I'm like, really? Would have been interesting really? in this game because what happens to Chaka Rodriguez, right? Does he get a red card for that claw in the face to Brendan Aronson? I mean, you know, that that's... There's a lot that could have changed in that of game course. if uh, if you do have VAR. So glad that CONCACAF finally figured out that we need to have it. It's a little bit too late, but at least we're going to have it at some point. But they would be interesting to have in this game uh, for sure. Some certainly uh, big calls that were not uh, made either way. And uh, then there's some fouls that, you know, Mexico could have said, hey, you didn't call them for me at all. But um, I, I just think it's, Tata has something, some serious things to think about here. He can't really change much about what he's decided to do here, but you have a team that nobody knows how to take it to you in Canada, and they're going to be at home. We'll talk about their game against Costa Rica in a little bit, but if 
Canada plays the way they get against in the Azteca against Mexico. Even if somehow Tata gets it right, he now has to go for the win. He could have technically gone for two draws had they been able to draw against the U.S. Right. It, it, had it stayed nil-nil, he yeah. would have breathed a bit easier. But now, and let's face it, it's the way this Canada team is, especially, and we'll talk about their match, they're really going to be out for blood. They're looking at the table and it's like, hey. We're, <laughs> we keep being one point underneath those two. We needed to like finally make that that point known of hey, we're somebody to be taken seriously. But that's the thing; they already know how to beat you, and Data can't really do a whole lot. It's the team that he has. He can't do much about the center back pairing because you got Hector Moreno was a scratch. Is he going to be ready in a couple of days? I don't think so. What are you going to do at that point? Are you going to have to provide more cover in front? He still can't figure out who his right back is, and I don't know that Gallardo's the the answer eventually. Like. He really, if something goes down bad here, like let's say Canada wins, and you're now all of a sudden, let's say Panama wins their match, you're all the way in fourth now. And I think that will have to cause Tata to make some really big changes, perhaps have to go younger just like the U.S. and and bring in some other players because you're relying too much on the the elder statesmen. And I think it's starting to cost you playing the better sides of CONCACAF. And who are you going to play in the World Cup? You're not going to play all these bad teams, right? Oh. You're going to play some really good teams. And it's probably a good thing that Tata's getting schooled right now because you go to the World Cup and play like that with with some of these players. Obviously, a year is a whole different ballgame, right? We don't know who's going to yeah, be fit, who's going to be around, but yeah, man. And, but even still, yes, like, like it's a year away. But for this scenario that you just pointed out, there's a potential at the end of this window for him to be in fourth. You yeah. remember, and as well as I do, the hot seat Mexico was in when they were in danger, similar position, and missing out Brazil in 2014. Everybody was freaking out. Something like if this happens now, it's a powder keg. He would have to make changes whether he liked it or not. It'd be too much pressure. I mean, the only thing that helps out all four of those teams is that there's a widening gap that is happening between the top four and the bottom four. And if the results go the way that you would think they do, uh, let's say that, you know, Mexico and Canada draw, or even Canada wins, you're really widening that gap even further for all those. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, that's, this is a big deal. This is, this is a huge game now, even bigger than it was for Tata and Mexico to um, make those, those changes. And Tata's on the record. I mean, and this is a guy that doesn't get credit when they lose ever. He's on the record saying, oh, the U.S. took it to us. We weren't ready. And then they controlled the game afterwards, which was true. I mean, in the mm -hmm. second half, again, I'm going to point this out. They had no chances on the ball until very late, like after that red card. The U.S., every single time they were starting to go in that second half, somebody got in the way, whether it was McKinney, whether it was Musa, whether it was Adams, whether it was Zimmerman, somebody got in the way. Awaya uh, did a few times as well, and made it a point to not let them, not let them get a rhythm, not let them start play, and that's something positive to look for. Will they be able to do that every game? I don't know, but that's good that you show up in these big games and you're able to do that for this team. And for me, I mean, I think it's getting harder and harder right now for uh, Greg Verhalter to make changes to this team right now. It's like maybe you call in a different nine and maybe you make some changes there. 
but it's like that midfield three, that's almost your midfield three at this MMA. That's, those are your three. Like when you have a big game, that's the three you got to put in there. I mean, Tim Weah is almost, you know, making it hard to like not put him there on that right side every time. You could almost say, you know, used to say Aronson's a lock, but maybe him and Pelicic can, you know, switch out some games or, or whatever. But, um, it's, it's crazy to think, you know, when we're talking about how many of these positions are getting locked down in this World Cup qualifying. And that's what you really wanted to see. And I feel like Walker Zimmerman, every game keeps positioning himself as that guy to be next to Miles Robinson. And it's just about let's figure out who our right back is. And, you know, oh, you've got and, the spine. Yeah. You've got your center back pairing in midfield, everything now locking it down, everything on the wings. Mm-hmm. And again, as you say, that's getting tougher and tougher. So you may have, what, one, two kind of position battles, if any, going to yeah. these next couple windows. And then if that's the case, then, hey, as they stretch out, you know you can address your depth. Where can you go for super subs, things like that. We did have two negative things happen in this game, right? Because of the yep. tussle uh, that happened when Chaka Rodriguez did that whole claw in the face of Brandon Aronson. Weston McKinney got a yellow card, so he's not going to be available for the match uh, against Jamaica in a few days. And Miles Robinson, of course, with that red card, is not going to be available either. So that means you now have to figure out who your center back is next to Walker Zimmerman, if he was going to play at all. And now you've got to figure out who's going to play in place of Weston McKinney um, as far as, you know, that goes. So, I mean, that's that's an interesting look right now for the u.s as far as what they have to do but let's look at this here um i think there will be certain there will be some changes can't make too many because we'll talk about it a little bit but Mikel antonio is going to play he is going to start in that game and that dude is a handful i don't know how much you can really change things up because you can't just be like okay we're gonna make a bunch of changes and whatever you still have to keep a lot of this the same, but he has talked about he loves the way Gianluca Busio is playing. So I think definitely you're going to probably see him uh, if he doesn't out and out start for uh, Tyler, Ad- you know, in, in Tyler Adams spot. Does he, you know, come on as a sub? Uh, I think, well, we know he could, I guess, play next Adams there as well. But I would def- I would think you're going to see more of the probably bringing Acosta in to play in the spot where McKinney is. Would lean more towards Acosta in this case, and it's to where I wouldn't necessarily mind because just like you needed your best of your best against Mexico, you need a particular best, and Acosta can provide that against Jamaica in particular. Yeah, I mean, I would hope you still start Musa because, again, you still need to have things going forward. Yeah, I don't know what he's going to do here. If he's going to try to play the false nine and start Ferreira, if he's going to still start Pepe and see to give him a run out against Jamaica, see if he can get him some confidence and get him scoring goals again. Does he start Weya? Does he, st- I think he'll, I think we'll definitely probably see Areola in this game. Yeah. Um, hopefully off the bench. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts and I wouldn't be surprised if you see like Areola Pulisic and Pepe. Cause if I think, I think you're doing the same thing that Jamaica committed to doing with, with Antonio, they told Antonio, you're going to come on around the 75th minute. 
in this mm-hmm. game and that we're going to start you against the U.S. Wouldn't be surprised if maybe Pulisic starts and then you bring him off at halftime or something like that, depending on how the Yeah, I, I would give him yeah. no more than 60 minutes. Yeah. No more than that. I, w- I, I thought he was hurt when uh, Achacha made that tackle where he takes out his leg because he's trying to make a move on him and he gets upset. Uh, thankfully, he did not, but I was a bit yeah. worried about that. <laughs> At first, I, I, I thought, okay, it looked like it could have been bad, but then I was also like, maybe this is a little bit of gamesmanship, maybe more of the late game dark arts going on that he's practicing. Could have been yeah. either way. Let's talk about, well, since Jamaica is the next opponent, should bring this up that as Chavalot had way more chances in the game, they didn't, uh, I don't, I didn't see any. I'm watching the, you know, extended highlights that I would say uh, Andre Blake really had to work that hard for. But then, like I said, they brought in Mikel Antonio, and one of his first touches on the ball is this route one. He picks, he backs a goal, basically in midfield, Eric, takes the ball, goes through a guy, through Jeez. another guy, and Jeez. chips it. He just took out two El Salvador defenders. And chips it over the goal, over the over the goal, over the goalkeeper for the goal for his first goal for Jamaica, by the way. Only in his second game, dude is a beast. Dude's Was a beast. he playing FIFA? I, I mean, what, what are we just, talking about, man? The, the dude is a beast. He was not going to get stopped by anybody. And then in the 89th minute, Alex rolled on with a header uh, to tie it up for El Salvador uh, to save a precious point. This would have been great for Jamaica to get the full 30 points and get your eight points and be in contention right there behind Panama to have a chance at that fourth spot. But now it's tough. Now it's really tough. And now it's almost a must win against the U.S. to get the nine points. If they lose, that's really a rough call as to, like, are they really going to have opportunity after that? Like, I mean, yeah, they're going to beat up on each other and everything else, the, those lower teams. But, man, you're really going to have to gather up some points if you're not able to get some kind of result against the U.S. here and may give you a little separation. Jamaica definitely had to be a little bit disappointed by the fact that they couldn't get the, the three points. But you still all the way from home. You, de- you did get a point in El Salvador, so I guess there's something there. Costa Rica learned from their mistakes finally and fielded a much younger team this time. You didn't have the... The 37-year-old legend Brian Rees playing, and you didn't have the 39-year-old Alvo Saborio playing, anything like that. Uh, you had Joel Campbell and a bunch of other younger guys, and they actually stood toe-to-toe with Canada for a while until the backup goalkeeper, which was the same issue for the U.S., he makes a flub, and Alfonso Davies pounces on it. That's it. That's enough for Canada in about the 65th minute, and they get their win. Should have been much different, I think, for Canada. They probably should have done more. But they got their win, and now they're set up to to come and host Mexico on Tuesday. They're still only one point behind Mexico in the in the U.S. There, Costa Rica really has to feel hard done by there to not be able to at least get something out of that because again, they're sitting there on the six points, and that gap is widening. And then now we get to the big game. Honduras is supposed to be different, right? Eric, Boyo Gomez came in. They're supposed to be flying. And guess what? They were for about 60 minutes. They scored two goals. They're, they're leading the way. They're doing well. They're really preventing Pan Am from doing anything. Thomas Christensen. We're good. 
Thomas Christian had gotten it wrong for the most part. He had to, but he did the smart thing. He went and did, he made three subs, changed it up, and then waited. And then the mistakes started happening. And Panama just took advantage. Like, it's just, it was a clear, I don't know if it's the first or second goal, but Minor Figueroa, experienced Minor Figueroa, the captain of Honduras, a ball comes in and he does the whole, wait, hand up, hand up, the goalkeeper's going to get it. And then, whoops, forgets there's a Panama player there. The Panama player's like, oh, F this. He just runs and freaking takes away from him and then puts it in the goal. I'll take that. Thank you all the way. (laughs) And like... (laughs) You know, and then they, they have another goal go in. And then the third goal, it almost could have been a red card for the Honduras keeper. He actually just takes out uh, the Panama player. And then they have a, just talk about like bad luck, right? Like they have a free kick that's low, go around the wall and find itself into the net. And that's how they win 3-2. And just talk about like, you're up 2-0 at home. You just made a coaching change. You think, okay, this is it. We're really going to start making a difference. And then to get gobsmacked in 10 minutes with three goals. Talk about disheartening, deflating for that team. And then you're sitting there at the bottom now with three points. They're all but eliminated at this point. They have to, it'd have to be a miracle run for them. And Panama, of course, right there in fourth with 11. Now, after another big win that perhaps they probably shouldn't have won. Better to be lucky than good. And this is the kind of thing, if you're on Duras, this usually ends campus. I mean, yeah. maybe they can work to get some string of results. But I mean, at this point, you're pretty much ready to just say, all right, figure out what we can, figure out what we've got, and then go forward towards the next Gold Cup and eventual 26. Because if you can't hold on to something like that, it's not just, oh, you lose through, but 10 minutes and just basic fundamental things. It's like, it's hard to come back from. Oh, yeah, it definitely is. And like, it's not just that. It's just again, I'm showing the table here for everybody if you're watching on video of that's where we are 14, 14, 13, 11. And then everybody else at six at Honduras is at, uh, at three points. And then we're going to go and look at the. The matches here that we have in this round coming up, it's U.S.-Jamaica. If you think the U.S. are going to get the three points there, Panama at home against El Salvador, that's going to be a tough one for El Salvador. Honduras going to Costa Rica, that is always a tough place to play. And then, of course, Mexico has to go to Canada and what is now a must-win game for Mexico if you don't want to go all the way down to fourth when you're taking this long break all the way to the end of January. Ooh, that's going to be some interesting games. Some some big decisions might happen here, if especially if Honduras loses and Panama wins. Talk about widening that gap again. You don't you don't want to say, especially because you have the January and the beginning of February that window three matches where you're finally going to have four, and then you have your other window after that. So there's still going to be six left, but you'd have to think. If these results go this right way Tuesday, you've almost got a two division split. Your top yeah. four that's going to be Josh. And, and only the top four day. make well, the top three make it to the World Cup yeah. and the top three make it automatically. Way. Fourth place goes to that playoff, which yeah. not sure how FIFA's going to have the rotation for this tournament, but I mean I, uh, but either way 
yeah. you're basically just playing spoiler if you get to a certain point where you have too many points different from you're you're having to hope that too many things go your way and then you're having to win at all costs and that a lot of times can as positive as that can be to also feel like okay there's a lot of pressure it can also just be sometimes super deflating as well and and then that changes who you call up maybe you know antonio doesn't want to keep coming in if he knows that it's hopeless mm -hmm. right or or some of the honduran players like i've at least scored one heck of a goal for the first goal for Honduras, and he's been playing well for Bordeaux. Um, he was a catalyst in the game against PSG, where they barely lost 3-2 with a big comeback. Some of these big players decide, okay, it's better for me to just stay at home with my club if it's not worth it. If I, there's no chance of us are going to even get a chance at the World Cup. So, right. you know, all this stuff matters when when you come down to it and these these games now on Tuesday are going to be uh, big for so many of these teams now. Uh, whereas if some other results had gone maybe we're talking about okay well we'll try to figure this out and get to where we get and then we get a nice little break for a while so yeah you know if you get together it's like okay we might still be in the haunt these are important let's get together figure out what we need before January make that last push and so that Jamaica game will certainly be interesting because, again, you know, U.S. have to figure out how to deal with Mikel Antonio, Leon Bailey, and the rest of that formidable Jamaica squad who are now, again, have further impetus to really go out there and win at home because you're not, you don't have too many more games left to uh, get some points. And the U.S., of course, want to continue to try to be at top of the table now that they're at the top at uh, first place. So that's... um. Will the U.S. have some kind of hangover as well? Will they come in going, oh, we already beat Jamaica at home. We beat Mexico just now. Like, is there going to be any kind of hangover of being able to say, ah, we'll just kind of take this lightly? Will be an interesting thing to look at when we're talking about U.S.-Jamaica on Tuesday, which is an early game at 5 o'clock. Uh, so, and I think now, I don't know why, but they moved the, looks like they moved the Mexico game back to 9 o'clock for some stupid reason. Instead of originally it was at seven, uh, which would have been nice because that means all the games would have been done by like ten. Because I think uh, the other two games were starting at like eight. So then once again, they always have to make a stay up for these games. Well, I mean, end. at least with yeah. this one, it isn't bad. And I'm telling you, yeah. just like we said, we was in Jamaica. That's compelling. If you look at it, this just made for a lot more compelling television. Canada, right? Because they'll know all the results when you get into that game. But all right. Um, any final thoughts on the on the game or anything else? This window, this round seven window of World Cup, Concacaf World Cup qualifying. Oh, this is how it was supposed to go all along. We took the long way to get there these first seven matches, but now we're here. Yeah, let's see if we can keep that going on Tuesday. Uh, until then, don't know if we're gonna. The idea was to have a show on Sunday. Let's see how we're feeling, how things are going. We may or may not have a regular soccer to the max on Sunday. Uh, there have been some things that have been happening in, in the club side. So there will be some things to talk about aside from, you know, obviously some interesting other things in World Cup qualifying aside from just, you know, podcast that have been happening as well. So we'll let's see if we get into that on Sunday. If not, for sure, we will be back Tuesday. Uh, pretty close to whenever the Mexico and Canada game ends to do this whole thing again. Talk about the U.S. game. Talk about uh, the other, the Canada-Mesco game, and then talk about all the other games around CONCACAF as we will have a two 
month break until the January 27th again for, for World Cup qualifying. So a- after the, these games on Tuesday. So hopefully you enjoyed the, the Mexico-U.S. game or whichever game you watched. If you like what you heard here, you can always, of course, uh, hit subscribe, ring that bell, and you'll have any time we do a video. Obviously, we do other stuff besides just soccer here. I do. I talk about video games on a weekly basis. Eric talks about the other football, the American football, and, um, you know, does a game show podcast as well. And, of course, if you prefer to listen to podcasts, we're all over. Anywhere there are podcasts, we're pretty much available at WCM Network or just search for the shows individually. We have anime, entertainment, you know, anything that uh, you could probably think of. We have some kind of show talking about that. Um, so you'll definitely want to stick with us here for all of your uh, fixings. And until the next time we see you guys, we'll see you later, everybody.